Hello, it's Cybergmining's podcast, and uh, today our guest is uh, Sophia Bogle, uh, a bookbinder and uh, book conservator from uh, uh, United States, from Oregon. Um, I'm sorry, I, I didn't uh, uh, check the, the name of the town where you live, but I guess I will ask you to introduce yourself and especially to speak a bit about your uh, middle names, because they look beautifully, but I have no clue how to pronounce them. So uh, I just wanted to <laughs> ask you about that. Sure. I'm in Ashland, Oregon, which is on the very bottom of Oregon, right near California. My middle name's Siobhan, that's Irish, and Wollahan, that's Irish. That's my, you know, the Irish is, is like in the middle there. I've got the Sophia and the Bogle. Well, Sophia's the Polish. The Bogle is my, my husband's Scottish last name. And there, there you have it. And just, you know, I don't call myself a conservator. I do have my diploma in book conservation, but my focus is restoration. So I would say I'm a book restorer or a restorationist. And that's, that's just my, my focus. I, have, I think conservators, I mean, I've seen your other podcasts. You, you see the, the, where conservators work has a certain look to it you've got the different um you know leaf casting machines and the um you know suction tables and fume hoods and all the chemicals and i've really just focused on just physical restoration of books and when it comes to like you know the paper things i'll send people to a conservator okay yeah thank, thanks for this correction and that's that's an, a really important correction and uh, the third person joining us today is uh, pavel voronian my co-host uh, he's uh, uh, speaking to us from moscow and uh, it's already dark in Moscow. It's it's uh, there is light in, <laughs> here in the Netherlands, and it's it's uh, morning in <laughs> in the United States. And I had this uh, nice uh, uh, sequence of uh, podcasts uh, where we started with Todd Davies, who talked that uh, he does book repairs, but uh, he doesn't work with book restoration because of different reasons. He he enlisted, and uh, then we talked with uh, Eliane who is a book restorer, and uh, then, of course, uh, our next guest was the book conservator. So, yeah, we talked about the difference between these different professions and different scopes. Uh, uh, so that's a pretty important correction. I actually talk about that a lot in my book. I have a, I have a diagram to explain to people the differences. It's, uh, I, I base it all on a pyramid. I think book binders are... Uh, yeah. I would. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we'll talk about this book a bit because I loved it. <laughs> but like, you know, so if you think about book binders is on the bottom of a pyramid, it's like all of the skills that they have are, are at the bottom. Book binders, they have to know certain things. And then if you want to be a book conservator, you have to know about all of those book binding things, but then you add a certain kind of, um, you know, skill set. And then with the restoration, you add a different kind of a skill set, but they overlap a little bit. So like, it's like in the bricks of a pyramid. And then, you know, so it's like one wall is conservator, one wall is um, uh, restoration and the book bindings at the bottom. And it all just kind of goes together. Hopefully uh, from the bottom of this pyramid, uh, all the people are, uh, you know, following the same uh, basic guidelines. <laughs> Right. But well. that's, that's not always true, but uh, <laughs> let's hope that will happen someday. Yeah. Well, the more, you know, the more really good information is out there and, and people are promoting good information that like with your, your site is, is fantastic for that. I'm, I'm always telling people to go over there. And, and in fact, I've, I've had some questions lately and, um, 
uh, they couldn't find the answer on your website. So you have to like get on this. I don't know, find somebody who will put up a video. Um, yeah. the, two people, in fact, asked me, how do you re-sew a book? And they wanted a video. Yeah. And I could, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't made one of those yet. So, but yeah. you know, anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, I guess that that should be a pretty popular question because uh, that's something that happens quite a lot with the older books. So uh, yeah, it's definitely worth making a video or at least writing about it. And, uh, but uh, I, I had some, some problems with uh, uh, posting on my website recently because uh, in the in the past months, I just had so much uh, so much job uh, uh, with my uh, web shop, and uh, uh, I, I I just this is the first week uh, when I have as much order orders as I can fulfill in proper time. So. <laughs> uh, are people ordering your um, your three D printed tools? Is that what you're talking about? Because those are really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, mostly mostly three D printed tools. I had some uh, wooden tools in my shop. Uh, I started uh, my shop with the wooden tools, with presses and sewing frames, uh, five years ago or something. Yeah. And uh, uh, this May, I had to remove all the wooden tools from the shop because I just don't have time to to make them. And uh, uh, there were so many problems with delivery of, of materials. And uh, uh, oh, no. usually, like you order wood and they bring it next day. And uh, during the lockdown, it was uh, deliveries were uh, postponed by three to four weeks. Oh my god! So yeah, it, it became completely unreliable, and I decided to switch off all the, uh, you know, uh, equipment that's harder to make. So, yeah, now it's only three D printed tools. Add new tools uh, <laughs> all the time. So yeah. yeah, I I get it. I've I've had to order larger quantities of things just to make sure that I'll have enough later. Yeah. isopropyl alcohol um to make the crucial that i sell um i normally it's like i can wait like a year to like get that and i was like oh i'm getting low because suddenly i'm making my own hand sanitizer instead and i've been like wondering should i make hand sanitizer or make the crucial to sell and so i just i just ordered four more gallons so i'm like okay now i've got enough i can make both yeah. how was your uh, workload during the lockdown you know i've gotten busier people it seems have been like going oh i've got books on my shelves maybe i should repair them and yeah my orders i've got i looked at my my you know uh analytics from this this year to last year and it was like up i don't know 500 percent, some crazy amount i was like what is going on plus plus people asking me to restore books which i'm i'm actually slowing down on um i'm i'm turning people to other people to have their books restored because I've just started graduate school and I'm too busy. So I've got a couple things in. What like for you know my usual clients, I'll take a few things in, but I'm so slow right now, it's crazy. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Could you perhaps um, talk about your clientele a bit? Who are your clients? Well, I um I got my first client when I was working for um, David Weinstein down in North Hollywood, California, and he used to um, work with his uncles at the Heritage Bindery, and he, he's the one who started that, and when he was working on his own, um, I, I found him and we started working, you know, he was teaching me all this stuff, and then 
after being there for two years, I went off on my own and he was like, okay, I'm going to start telling people to go to you for this book cloth restoration that you're so good at. And you can just, you know, I'll still do the leather stuff and you I'll send, I don't want to do this stuff. I was like, great. So I got, um, you know, B&L Rutenberg books, um, who are well known in the United States as a client right then, and Jeff Weber and some others who were, uh, you know, big time book dealers, like, you know, who have really nice books. And so that's how it started. And then, you know, it's word of mouth after that, uh, to a certain extent. And, um, and then I started working on a lot of I, I, I went to one antique book fair and had a booth and I got one client who had Wizard of Oz books and he gave me Wizard of Oz books to restore. I did a good job. He told other Wizard of Oz collectors. Suddenly I have a lot of Wizard of Oz collectors who are my clients and they are such fun books to work on. I just love it. So that's an, that's one really great way to get <laughs> to get work. In fact, I would really recommend that for anybody who's in this field, pick a kind of a book that you love and try to get that as work. Like, you know, join the societies that have to do with that. Like if you want to do Roycroft Press, join those societies and then you get in with those people and then they'll give you books to restore. So, it's it's a great way to you know, get in there, get involved. And luckily there are so many different books and authors and societies. So I think there yeah. are much, much less bookbinders and book restorers. Than, than there, there are, we could use a few more. I don't know who I'm ever going to pass this off to. If I ever actually get a library job after I graduate and all that, it's like, you know, I, I, um, I'm doing this transition from book restorer to become a librarian because I injured my arm while working on uh, a big old leather book. And it's just made it really hard to just keep going in that, in this field. It's, it's really frustrating to not be able to do the gold tooling and the leather work that I used to do. Have you ever had any students? I have, yeah. I had my most recent one, um, it, it was kind of fun. He would come in and he would work across the table from me and he I would just give him the easier stuff to do and I I would what I did was I gave him a percentage of the amount of money that I was getting for the book and so he knew he was going to get a percentage and um it so how fast he worked made it's like the faster he worked the more money he made per hour he was really motivated that guy he got he started going really fast to the point where at some point I think he was making $50 an hour and I was like you are doing a great job <laughs> <laughs> so then he left so that was sad but uh, he moved he moved up to Seattle I understand you also had uh, a lot of experience in uh, uh, with uh, antiquarian books I mean uh, in, I mean selling industry not only uh, repairing books but not well, I, I, I did work for a um, used bookstore that had some antiquarian books for an entire year. And it was so that I could learn how to sell books. And I just basically uh, had an apprenticeship with the owners of Anthony's Bookshop. And 
they brought me on book buying trips and, you know, just gave me books to read. Here's what you need to know. This is what, you know, first editions are about and, you know, how to buy books. So that was, that was invaluable to being able to restore books, to just have a feel for what was important about a book. Um, yeah, that's, that's been good. And then I, I did, I joined the Cascade Booksellers Association, which is the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association. I did that. I feel like as a book restorer, I'm kind of for all used bookstores. It's like, I want them all to prosper <laughs> and do well. So I was like, why not join the association and, and get, once again, get involved, get to know the book dealers and, you know, as they accepted me. So they, they've been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's really good to, uh, when you're working in some uh, in some uh, uh, niche, it's it's good to have experience from you know from areas connected to this niche. Uh, I had I had some experience uh, working as an apprentice in a bookbinder shop, and I I didn't know then that I will you know I will do all the things that I I did in the in the upcoming late in the in later years. So uh, yeah, I guess working working in uh, Antiquarian bookshop is is really helpful for for a person who wants to repair books and so to understand books better. Yeah, I guess if you can't do that, I'd go to the rare book school and take some of those classes. Yeah, One yeah. If, if you have a chance and uh, you know uh, finances oh, no. <laughs> to, to cover that, because <laughs> usually it's it's pretty expensive to to uh, to study it. Yeah, it's, it's true. The whole book collecting world is pretty elite in a lot of ways. I, I would love to see, I would love to see more low end collectors in, in, in the spirit of, of keeping books, keeping physical books from going into the dump. Yeah. You know, it's like people need to be aware of, of that that is happening. Many, many books are just being thrown away now. And yeah. hopefully more and more actual collections of, of books that don't maybe have a lot of value now, but maybe in, you know, a hundred years they will. Yeah. You just got to save them. Could you name some, uh, some areas of collecting which are uh, deserving of their collectors, but don't have them yet? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you would ask that. Um, at MIT, they have a collection of tarot cards. And I was like... It could be anything. This is what I'm pointing out. It's like, it could be any kind of book. Um, I know one person who's collecting um, interesting how-to books. So it has to have the word how-to in the title. And it can't be like the normal, you know, how to, I don't even know, I'm trying to think of like, what would a normal one be? How to uh, water ski. It has to be more unusual than that. So she's collecting all these really unusually titled things I like how to sharpen a pencil, how to, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, things like Place that. Place the shoes. That Place the shoes. Yeah. yeah, like just, just crazy things like that. And I'm like, that's going to be a really fun collection. And I mean, I think uh, this is the thing. It's like absolutely anything from, you know, uh, well, actually one of the, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, but she won the Honey and Wax Award like a couple of years ago, I think. She's collecting kind of, you know, campy books about um, women from, oh, I want to say the 40s or something like that. So it's like she's got this collection of these books that 
you know, people aren't necessarily keeping them. They're not worth a lot of money, but she's putting them together in, in a meaningful collection. And I, I think that that kind of thing is just, it's fascinating. We should all be doing that. I, you know, start with anything you're interested in and then just build on it. And are you a collector yourself? <laughs> I have been pondering the collecting mindset and and not really quite there yet. Although I did, I started a new category of collecting all by myself. Um, because I've been on the Rare Book Cafe a few times now, um, sometimes while I'm on the Rare Book Cafe, there are other authors that have been on the Rare Book Cafe at the same time. So I've been having the authors sign their book for me while they're on camera. And then I buy the book and it comes to me. And so now I have, um, I now have two books that people have signed for me on camera. So if you have written a book, I will buy your book right now. You just have to sign it and I'll, you know, whatever. So this is the most recent one that I, that I bought that I had signed for me on camera. Um, here's the signing. And so anyway, it, uh, I was like, I think that adding the uh, the media provenance of the book is really interesting because it's like the author was holding this book and now I have the book and they signed it. And anyway, it's like, you can see it being signed. I don't know what I want to call this new uh, genre of collecting, <laughs> but um, it's pretty limited, but it's it was really, it's been really fun, so. <laughs> Talking about signing, I, I love that you signed uh, uh, my copy of your book with with a pencil, not with a pen. Oh, that's my thing. I sign all of them with pencil. And when I when I go to book signings, because I will go to book signings and get my book signed by people, and they're always yep. using a Sharpie. And so I always yep. bring an archival pen with me and I just give them the pen. I'm like, yep. sign my book with the archival pen. And now here, you can keep it. Sign other people's yep. books with the archival pen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought. That it's a book about uh, book restoration, and uh, here is a proper way to sign a book that leave a mark in it, but wouldn't damage it. <laughs> so. Pretty much, right? <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to actually read any of it? I'm just curious. Uh, it's funny because uh, I'm mostly reading paper books now when I'm flying somewhere. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'm listening to audiobooks. So I I had to use two flights to to read your book. And, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I read it uh, through and I loved it and I. I had a lot of notes about all the different things, uh, uh, and I, I promised you to send them like months ago. But uh, then all these things uh, happened, and uh, all that uh, you know yeah. uh, work. Well, someday, uh, someday you can send me notes. But I loved it, and I, I loved the. Uh, in I don't know. I loved everything. I loved all the examples. I loved all of these interviews with the. Uh, different book collectors and uh, different people uh, uh, working with uh, antiquarian books. All this brings uh, all, all these different sides of the process and uh, all, all the different insights uh, on how uh, book restorers view the books and how the collectors uh, uh, think about them and how uh, booksellers, what booksellers think about them. And it's all it's all it's all different and. Uh, uh, Every person has has their different scope and a different agenda, 
and uh, it's it's sometimes it's hard to you know to marry all all of this yeah. <laughs> they, they really don't seem to know it's like the conservators don't know about book collecting really and yeah. book collectors have no idea what conservators do so i was like if i could get everybody to read this book then they would all have a little better idea <laughs> yeah 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 since the moment I, I, I read that I uh, tell about this book to every person who is interested in book restoration oh. or, or collecting books. So <laughs> thank you. That's I lovely. hope that that will add a bit to sales. Of the I, book. I, they're going. They're actually. I'm. I'm pleased. Everything is going along just fine. I still have boxes and boxes of them, but I I have room for them, so it's fine. <laughs> They'll all go eventually. In my lifetime, I figure I'll sell them all. <laughs> And uh, do it feel nice when somebody spent his time to find a personal copy of your book? Oh my gosh, I was so like amazed. I was like, my book is in the world and it looks like that. Wow. Like, you know, it's actually, I, I think part of why I haven't found my own copy is I'm like choosing what I want it to look like. <laughs> like, mm, so many options. I'm thinking red leather and then, <laughs> so yeah I'm, i think you posted some photos on facebook of of, uh, of your book but yeah yeah so if anybody wants to to see that uh, you should just go to uh, sophia's facebook account and <laughs> browse through it yeah just look for save your books it's all over the place I, i'm pretty well branded i've got i've got my branding down <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like you've got the ibook binding which is great it's such a nice uh you know title branding very good I bought it from a different person and uh, five years ago. So yeah, it, it came to me as it was, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with with the name and uh, and uh, how it works out. But then I had trouble with uh, uh, Facebook because I tried to. Uh, so initially it was uh, uh, small i, and then bookbinding started starting with capital letter, like I don't know, like iPhone. Yeah, and I tried to to name my page in in this way uh, on Facebook, and Facebook uh, uh, denied me uh, that and uh, told me that it's grammatically not correct and uh, okay. you don't have right to do that or I don't know what. And uh, yeah, you can you can uh, make make iPhone or something uh, oh <laughs> name this way, but you cannot make iBook banning. Wow. So I then wow. I had to. Uh, so for for some time there was space after I and uh, uh, that that brought brought more troubles because people searching for ibookbinding in, in one word couldn't find my page and now it's uh, ibookbinding with, with capital I that works that works <laughs> yeah this works <laughs> it just uh, shows how Facebook is working strangely in in many ways yes so. Hey, um, Pavel, what are you reading these days? I'm mostly re uh, reading uh, art books. Just re uh, recently, I started a, a really old book that uh, Stepan uh, gave me from 1910s, I think it was, ab uh, about portraits uh, in ancient Egypt. Uh, it, uh, it had uh, inset illustrations, uh, you know, like uh, hand glued uh, on black pages. So nice. it's it's all very unusual for me. I I'm not used to read such books uh, outside libraries, so it's a nice experience. Yeah, yeah, that's great. There's nothing like the the tactile book experience. So 
Yeah, every time I, I visit a book market, uh, uh, I, I look for something for Pavel. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> some, some books about arts or something like that. And it was, yeah, it was one of my, uh, the, one of uh, most important routines I had uh, before the uh, pandemic. Uh, I, I uh, went to The Hague every Thursday uh, to visit the uh, antiquarian book market there. And uh, uh, it's, it's an amazing place because uh, uh, first, uh, it's, it's one of the cheapest uh, book markets uh, in, in, uh, in major cities of Europe. Uh, and uh, because of because uh, uh, Netherlands is such a multinational country, uh, there are, it's it's a real mixed pot of uh, people here. Uh, they have books in uh, almost uh, any European language, and not only European languages. Uh, uh, I find Russian books all the time over there. I found some Romanian books there, and uh, uh, I don't know Greek, Bulgarian, uh, Serbian, uh, French, uh, German, English, anything. So yeah, wow. most of the books, most of the books about books collection came from from this book market in these past two years. <laughs> so. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that sounds really wonderful. I, yeah, I I miss being able to just go browse in a bookstore. That that is one thing that I'm definitely missing. I've been I've been buying books through like A Libris and yeah. uh, A Books. I try to avoid Amazon. Yeah. But occasionally I can't find what I need otherwise. But yeah, it's uh it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah that's true. Uh I also wanted to ask you about uh about the courses you have on your website. Oh yeah. I I always wish that I had more. Anyway, so if you get you go on the website and then you just go, oh well, my book is book cloth, so I'm gonna go here. Or my book is leather, I'm gonna go here. And then, um, and then it pops up the list of courses that I have. And, you know, when I started this whole thing, I, it was really hard to get going because I'm like, how do you tell people what to do when everything has, uh, oh, but not with, not when this is true, you know, all the caveats, all the exceptions, it was like, okay, but I need to tell them something. And so I was just like, I'm just going to repair something i'm just going to restore something i'm going to film it and i'm going to see what lesson comes out of that and so even though the lessons have names they have you know like recasing a book or whatever it's like it's recasing that book i feel like i could remake that recasing lesson six more times with six different kinds of books and you would get something out of each one of them um but that's that's just how I wound up doing this. I decided when I began, it's like this has to be sustainable. It has to be reasonable, and it's just me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So I'm just going to do what I can do. And you know, some of the courses, some of the categories don't have very many courses in them yet. But this is going to be a lifelong. You know, I'm going to call it a hobby because I want to go work in a library at some point. So. Um, but it's, yeah. it's it's great and it's it's building. I've I've got over five thousand people on my YouTube channel now, and um, you know I'll do the occasional live video there. So it's it's good. Which courses would you say generated most interest of the ones you've already made? Kind of shockingly, the paperback ones. People, it's like everybody wants to repair their paperback. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's been, that's had a lot of interest. And then, 
and then probably the re recasing like with the the book cloth i think that's the second most popular and then how to how to put leather dressing on a leather book that kind of a thing i think those three things are the most those are at the top so yeah good good question i was shocked by the paperback interest but you know paperbacks are falling apart and that's that's most of what new books are now anyway um, yeah. yeah yeah even my book oh so in the in the very back of my book <laughs> there's um i say i say so when this book falls apart here's the link to the course you need to fix the book <laughs> <laughs> just thinking ahead <laughs> probably nobody's even read that part it's at the very end <laughs> But, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised with uh, how many books uh, uh, in, uh, I'm not sure about uh, about Europe, but uh, definitely in UK and United States, uh, uh, how many books are produced as paperbacks these days. Because in Russia, it, it feels that more books are produced as uh, hardbound books. And oh. uh, we, had, we still have this tradition. There are, there are paperbacks, of course, but uh, I see a lot of hardbound books uh, uh, made as well. So, are they sewn or are they the perfect binding? Yeah. Yeah, they're sewn, and uh, one of my first bookbinding projects was recasing, rebinding uh, a full set of uh, Harry Potter books. And uh, mm. uh, when I when I started to work with them, and it was a British edition, and uh, I saw that uh, they were uh, uh, perfect bound books uh, uh, put in hard covers. So uh, yeah, it's cheap produce, yeah. uh, but made made to look like a good book. <laughs> So I was pretty, pretty surprised and upset with that, and uh, but yeah, you you work with what you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's what made me do the print to sew version because I was like, ah, I can't stand sending out just the paperback. I've got to have the ability to sew it because, yeah. Uh, I once went to go. I wanted to do a new designer binding on my my favorite book in the whole world, which is called The River Y. Um, by David James Duncan. It's just just a really friendly, you know, book about fishing and families and and um, anyway, I, I wanted to rebind it and I went to take it apart and yeah, no sewing. And I was like, oh, what's the point? Like I could, but it's never gonna open well. And I was like, oh I feel like I should I should write to that guy and, and say, hey, do a reprint. It's time for an anniversary edition or something. I don't know. And this time, sew it. <laughs> yeah, you, you um, talked earlier about uh, uh, your first attempts to make uh, uh, these uh, courses about book repairs. And uh, I remember that I had a similar uh, similar pro pro problems when I was first asked to make a course about uh, uh, book repairs uh, for, for, a, for a library in Moscow. And uh, I, I had uh, book binding courses for some time already at that moment. And at that moment, I understood that it's so much easier to make a bookbinding course because you, I don't know, you, you, you take some paper, you take some cardboard and you make a book <laughs> or, <laughs> you, you yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then the, there is an issue of uh, showing something, uh, not on real library books because we don't want to destroy real library books and we want to have some margin of error or something. So I had to invent some some you know popular errors and troubles that happened with with books like i i i had to 
uh, soak some some books and oh, and share no. pages or something <laughs> like that. So I, I use some some pulp uh, pulp fiction books, you know, nobody cares about, and and damaged them a lot and brought them to to the class and uh, we oh, worked. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's great. I have I have not. I don't think I have a really great video yet on um, actually repairing a water damaged book. I have a little. I have like a. Well, basically, in the course, it says, if you can replace this book, just go buy a new one. <laughs> so that's the first thing I say. And then I'm like, well, if you can't, then I guess. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the devices I gave. <laughs> I, I tell people that so much. You know, I somebody asked me to be the admin on this site on Facebook called Vintage Rare and Antique Books. And I was like, sure, I'll be an admin. And then they dropped out, they disappeared. <laughs> and then I was the only admin. I was like, uh, anyway, so it's basically people, you know, buying and selling and talking about rare books. And I finally, I finally got a new admin to join me, um, Steve, who's with the Rare Book Cafe. But um, we've got almost 10,000 people on the site now, which is crazy. I was like, how did this get so big? But what I've noticed, and this is the reason I, I wanted to be an admin on this site, is that people will post a picture of a book that's damaged, and then they'll say, what should I do about this? And then everybody piles in and they're just like, oh, you should, um, like, how do you clean a book cloth cover? They're like, rub it with white breadcrumbs. I'm like, don't. Don't do that, please. Oh, uh, ask a book restorer or a book conservator. This board is coming off. How do I reattach it? And they're like, oh, just get some leather weld, you know, gooey stuff and stick it in the, I'm like, no, don't do that. So I'm like, I'm watching for that. And I'm trying to go, here's a course on how to do this instead. Here's, you know, here's this other thing. And, and um, so just recently I put it out to the um, book arts list serve through the Syracuse University with Peter Verhan. And I was like, okay, can somebody come and join me on this uh, thing and help me to tell people not to do the terrible things that they all think that they should do? And I'm getting a good response. People are actually going, oh yes, we must stop these people. I'm like, thank goodness. <laughs> so, you know, I invite anybody who wants to help, you know, people who are trying to do good things for their books. It's like straight, help me straighten them out. Help me give them good advice. You should write a book just for that audience. Oh my god. This, the book I wrote, I feel like is for that audience, maybe? Because they're all, they care about rare books. Anyone who cares about books in general could read my book. I mean, Stefan will tell you, it's, it's pretty approachable. It's, it's, um, it's not a, uh, you know, an academic, boring book. It's really like, you know, anecdotes and stories and interviews and, and I, I tried to keep it really, you know, really approachable. So anybody who loves their books would want to read it. So. Definitely. It, it reads really, really well and uh, yeah. Could you tell a bit about the, uh, the process of writing this, uh, this book? Was it uh, lots and lots of online interviews or did you personally meet people and interview them? That's a good question. Yeah, I um. The, uh, I did some in-person interviews and I recorded everything and then did transcripts and then made it more approachable from that. But um, uh, some of it was just phone calls. I mean, and I just was cold calling, like I cold called 
um, the head of the uh, uh, auction house in San Francisco, um, P, what's it, P and G, P, whatever, I can't remember the name of it right now. Anyway, but I just called, you know, emailed them, like, I'd love to do an interview with you for this book. And um, they said, yes. I was like, okay, great. Cause and then I was just like, tell me, how does book restoration fit in with your auction house? Like what, what happens? And it was, that was, that was a good interview. And um, anyway, th this started, it took me about five years to write the book. It took a long time and it evolved over time because it started out, literally, I just wanted to tell people how to see what I had done to their book, like where to look on the book. You'd think it's obvious, like I've restored the book. I would hand the book back to them and they would pick up the book and start reading it like I wrote the book or something. I'm like, this is, this is what I did. I put a new spine on and then this old spine went over it and they're like, but it's invisible. I can barely see this. I'm like, no, no, really, it's right. Anyway, so people, people have bought books not knowing that they were restored because they didn't know where to look on the book for the little telltale signs. So that's how it started. And then it just expanded to a lot, a lot more all about, you know, what all the book restoration and versus repair versus book binding versus conservation. What are those things? And uh, explaining them in a way that anybody could understand. Yeah, it's quite interesting because one of the things that we discussed with Eliana Gomez uh, uh, several weeks ago is that uh, uh, there is a bit of a difference uh, in in approach to uh, repairs, conservation, and any you know intrusions uh, uh, with the books, and uh, uh, it's it's a bit different with ephemera, uh, for example, with comics, comic books, or with I don't know collectible cards or something like that. Uh, because uh, with ephemera, they uh, mostly don't want any interventions at all. So if the object is the, uh, a bit damaged or, I don't know, uh, it's uh, paper st started to yellow or something, uh, in most cases, they prefer to keep it this way and preserve it this way. And uh, they consider a book uh, to be damaged if, if it is, uh, or not a book, but I don't know, a comic book, uh, to be damaged if it was repaired in any way. Yeah, and like I just taught a, a, a course on dust jacket repair because there's some things you should do. Like if pieces are falling off, it's like use some tissue and tack that back together so that it's not going to get worse. Could you talk a bit about the uh, ethical aspect of this? Because I know uh, then there is a big difference between uh, doing your job very well and trying to hide the fact that you did a job. Yeah, yeah, that was another, that was another reason I wrote the book was, um, I felt like so many things I did were so close to being invisible. I mean, there was one point I took, I took an entire end sheet out of a first edition book and moved it to a different first edition book, the same, you know, the same edition is what I'm trying to say. So, but I did it in such a way that it was completely invisible that I did this, but it had a signature on it. So what I was moving from a damaged book to a non-damaged book in this way, and I was just like, so when you sell this book someday, you need to say that that happened, but I can't make them. And 
And I was, I was kind of like, you know what? I'm fine with this. This book, the book was trashed other than the signature page. And so me moving it, I was just like, but some people would say, you can't do that. You should not have done that. And I'm like, but the guy, it's his book. He paid me for it, you know? Anyway, so in my book, I actually talk about like, how would you spot that? How would you be able to tell if somebody had done that? And I'm like, you have to look for the, the shadow of the lines underneath the paste down to see if they match. <laughs> but you know, it's just crazy little details like that. Um, yeah, the ethics has been interesting. I've been asked to do things that I would not do. Somebody asked me to change the publisher name on the spine of a book to make, and I was like, no, not even, that's just wrong. <laughs> so yeah, it's, but, it, but it's out there. It's out there. And that's, you know, the book, would, the book really helps you to avoid being tricked by anybody. That's a huge problem. And uh, uh, the other problem is that there are still uh, bookbinders who will uh, do this job and uh, this book, book's return to market. And uh, uh, Yeah, oh yeah, it's true. There was, the, at one point I was like, okay, am I making it easier for the people who are going to try and cheat people to now know what they're looking for? To, and I was like, oh, I can't go there. I have to go with more information is good. That's what I'm going for. If you know what you're looking for, then, you know, inform, be informed, and it'll, it'll help you to, you know, avoid disaster by buying a book that you thought was, had an original signature, and then it didn't, so. And do, uh, do you see a lot of that uh, when you browse uh, through bookshops? Do you often notice things that were uh, designed to uh, deceive? Not, not so much. I haven't noticed so much of that. Although the auction thing that the interview I did, I was kind of like shocked at how much of that kind of went through with uh, with the with the auction house that they had to deal with. Um, now, mostly in bookstores, I find really poor repairs. <laughs> um, which I which I, I tend to take pictures of and, and put up on Instagram and go, well, you know, it's just it's heartbreaking for me to see a book that is good except this one thing that was done to it. So it's it's hard. I just I just want to fix it. My my hands start itching. I go, give me I can just take the tape off and <laughs> anyway. It's something I always uh, uh want to do as well when I see some uh, poorly repaired book uh, at the book market I always ask a bookseller if I can make some photos of it and uh, then I post it on Instagram because sometimes they are just spectacular sometimes they are they are they are really damaged but in, in some cases uh, you can see that uh, some person loved this book and they wanted to you know to make best and in their efforts they damaged it and it's just uh, uh, it just reminds me of that uh, recent uh, uh, botched uh, uh, art restoration uh, case in, in Spain. They they destroyed another painting or or something like that just a few days ago. Once again, so <laughs> just and <laughs> just make a question: uh, Why why would people do that? And uh, to books, and then you see that it happens in all in all you know uh, spheres. So yeah. Yeah, the, the webinar, I just created a webinar that was up for my first virtual book fair that I did, the Rose City Virtual Book Fair. And um, in the webinar, I'm showing really quick repairs, um, how to do the outside hinge and the inside hinge in a really quick way. And um, 
but the book I'm using had had already been repaired. So I'm showing how to undo those repairs. And I'd never seen this before. Somebody had actually sewn the top of the spine onto the end band. They just, to keep the okay. spine on the book. So they just like sewed, whip stitched the, uh, the top. I was like, oh my gosh, it's creative. I mean, and it did save the spine. The spine was still there. So anyway. Yeah, I, I saw a similar uh, approach uh, several months ago and I posted it on, on Ibuprenic's Instagram. Somebody uh, uh, stitched a book spine of, of a Bible to, uh, to, to book covers, yeah. like just over stitching it <laughs> yeah. through the spine and through the cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, but it looks interesting, <laughs> like like a like, like a real Frankenstein book. Yeah, you know what I I love reading. I've read several biographies of people from the 1800s, and you know, wind up reading that they did book restoration repair themselves, and you know, hearing how they they talked about that. Um, it's pretty fun. I actually, I mean, I kind of have a collection of of books about books, but like novels about books. And and uh, cozy mysteries about books. Uh, so um, anyway, so that's kind of, that, that has been expanding. I've got more and more of those. I just read a book that I was kind of surprised that there was any book binding in called uh, "The Ten Thousand Doors of January," which is like a you know young adult book. And uh, but they're you know they talk about book repair in there. I'm like what? <laughs> just all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I saw several months ago that uh, uh, in in uh, some of the deleted scenes from uh, uh, John Wick movie or part two of John Wick movie with the Keanu Reeves, he had to repair some books and uh, uh, oh. they they posted some uh, some photos of of the of these cutscenes or something like that. And he's really working on some book repairs there or some book binding. I, I don't I don't remember for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was a pleasant surprise to see Keanu Reeves <laughs> book binding. That's such a kick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we make it more popular. So, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to die out because it's still a way to, you know, books still exist and they're just going to become more precious, don't you think? As fewer and fewer physical copies are made, the ones that are made. Do you think it will go uh, uh, below a certain uh, point? I don't think so. I think uh, books will always be made. It's why would you yeah. stop printing books completely? Sure, you don't need as many as are printed now, but yeah, you always need. I, oh, I'm terrible. So I'm, I'm, you know, I started graduate school. I'm, I'm actually taking a class in ethics right now, and I'm, um, I have to print up everything. I have to, I, because I want to read and take notes, and and they're like, oh, just do it online. I'm like, oh, I can't. I just, I have to have it right here. So I can go sit on the couch and just, ugh, anyway. But fortunately, I have a good printer and it just, <laughs> I can just crank them out. But, but yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, the, the books, books are, they've taken another turn for the bad quality again. I just wonder if they'll ever get back. What I would love to see is if we got back to how it was in like the 1800s where, the printer would print up books in sheets and then you take, you buy the book and you take it to your book binder and yeah. have it bound for you. I wish it would go back to that. 
maybe it will go back to that because uh, uh, definitely uh, digital books and audio books will uh, take uh, take some large share of book market. Uh, but uh, uh, on the other hand, we we saw that uh, book sales, uh, paper book sales, uh, started rising once again uh, two years ago. So uh, uh, some people were were already uh, ready to you know to bury bury the uh, paper book markets, and uh, they were speaking about uh, this revolution of electronic books, and then uh, paper book sales <laughs> started rising again. So yeah. Uh, I agree that uh, there will be some place uh, uh, for for paper books. I'm not sure they will will be uh, ever so popular as, as they were in, in the 20th century. But yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm not so yeah. sure. I I teach kids, and almost none of them, if they uh, read books at all, they read books, uh, physical books. Almost none of them have e-books. Uh, they don't read from uh, their smartphones. If they read a book. They go to a library and take a book. So I, I have a hope for the young generation. I should say that uh, that Pavel teaches in 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 a very uh, you know good uh, uh, Moscow school for called for intellectual smart. <laughs> yeah, the school is called intellectual. So it's it's for. Like it's it's one of the top ten uh, schools in Moscow, and uh, uh, how old are the kids? I teach from fifth grade up to eleventh grade, so all all ages, eleven to eighteen, and they read a lot. They don't just uh -huh. read school books; yeah. they read literature, starting from eighteenth century and all the way to, to modern. How did you love uh, with old books? How did this infatuation start? Uh, my one of my earliest photographs of me is me holding a book and I I just um, always love I think it was my escape partly but uh, yeah um, hmm yeah you just think about like I, I just always knew that I was gonna do something with books and I, I you know I got into college and I was like I don't know maybe I'll work in the publishing industry maybe I'll design book covers maybe I'll I didn't know and then I got a student job at the University of Minnesota where I was getting my degree and um, the student job was at the the print shop at the bindery where the library books came in and they actually did terrible things to these library books. <laughs> they literally were like ripping off the original covers and throwing them away. And then they would saw the back off of the book and then they would perfect bind the book. And then they would put really ugly buckram covers with white printing on the spine. So that's what I was helping them to do. But there was one person over in the corner, Mary, I don't remember her last name, but Mary, she was the conservator. And the books that were worthy were going to Mary and she was taking them apart and re-sewing them. And I was just like, just like some huge explosion went off in my head. I was like, oh, books come apart and they go back together and you can make them look beautiful again. And it was just like magic. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I'm doing. So, and then I just tried to figure out how to do that after that. <laughs> it's like, it was a long circuitous, you know, a lot of homeschooling, reading a lot of books and um, eventually getting to work for people who knew what they were doing, which is really the only way. What was the first project when you 
that you were proud of? When, when did you get oh. to the stage when you thought, I arrived? Oh my gosh. Well, I think it was probably when I restored um, Darwin's Origin of Species first edition. And okay. you know, <laughs> worth about, you know, 50,000 or more, depending. Um, and I knew what to do. I knew that you can't, and it had to be re-sewn. Uh, you can't re-sew that book just straight all along. You have to re-sew it two on. Otherwise, the cover won't fit on it again. And I thought it all through ahead of time, and I knew that, and it came out so beautifully, and I sent it back to the client, and they were like, this looks like a different book. Like, you <laughs> and I was like, no, no, it's the book you sent me. <laughs> and, you know, to be able to do the inner hinges invisibly so that, you know, I, I was like, okay, now this is it. I, I'm really at the top now. So that was my, that was my book. <laughs> and how many years did that uh, process take from start to uh, this book? Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Probably about seven years. Maybe, oh, maybe eight years. Seven so, or eight years. So like classic apprenticeship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven really, years. You've got to go through it. You've got to go through it yourself. And man, that's one thing. It's like when I started out on my own, or even when I started out just learning anything, um, I mean, that's, there was nobody to ask. There was nobody to, you know, go, how do I fix this or whatever? And that's, that's why my website, I, I just feel so good about it because I made it for me all those years ago. <laughs> it's like, I wish that I had been there to answer all these questions. And so I, I've got a student forum on the website. People ask me things like, um, oh, you know, somebody will send me a thing. What about this red rot? I'm applying the Clusol but then I put the SC6000 on it and it's doing this weird thing. And I'm like, send me a picture. So they send me a picture and I'm like, oh, well, it looks like maybe you needed to do a few more layers of the Clusol. And that, to just be able to do that so casually on this, this forum, I mean, I would have killed for that when I was, you know, starting out. And how much time does it does all these uh, additional activities take? Because I can imagine that it, it can eat a lot of time uh, I mean, this this uh, group on Facebook, uh, forum on your website, uh, and uh, yeah, and you you seem to be quite approachable. You, I mean, you you answer the questions and uh, you talk to 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 people. It's and... my passion. It's what I want to do is to educate people about proper book repair, and so yeah, it's just what I do. And you know, I'm I'm um, I'm. St it's like there is a monetary component, so. Uh, people sign up as a member and then they can watch all of the courses and then you know I'm more available to them I think people who aren't members I give shorter answers to <laughs> people who are members I sometimes will even make a video you'll take time to, to 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 make shorter answers because you need to you need to think about the answer and you need to sort of yeah. work on it Yes, and, and then the student forum is great because people are asking questions there and other people can search and see if the question's already been answered. So that, that's why I really did the student forum is so that I can quit answering the same questions all over the time. So 
the time I put in is the is the time I have and and now with graduate school it's a little less time and <laughs> I just but I'm, I'm still really there just trying to trying to be there you know for people we'll see how it goes I think it's just you know like I said I've always made it so that it's manageable and sustainable and it doesn't feel crazy yet so I'll just keep going with it and I, sh I should say that uh, uh, I, I checked the uh, the prices for your courses before we uh, started recording our podcast, and uh, I, I should say that they look uh, quite affordable, especially considering how, how much material you get for for this money. So thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely advise everybody to to go and at least check the the courses and the prices and. Uh, yeah, and on most of the foundation ones are free. I wanted people to just be able to get in and get get some basics. Yeah, yeah. So. perfect. So, Pyle, do do you have anything else? I would really love to see some of your work if you could uh, if you could show us perhaps some of your current projects. Uh. Okay. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside of my shop and walk in so you can see from like here's my backyard. Oh, that's my house. This is where I live, and then we're actually building a shed. So I'm gonna show you the shed just because that's fun. There's the shed. <laughs> anyway, so here we go into the shop. Nice color of the door. Thank you. <laughs> and so just to my left here, I have my safe. Yeah. And there's where I was sitting. All of that. And then I've got, here's my cupboard. I keep um, all of my, you know, supplies to make all the kits. Here are some of the kits up here. Yeah. And uh, here's, here's where I work. There's my quick print. Are those boxes with your book? What was that? Oh, yeah, those are all my books. <laughs> That's my book. I have a lot more to sell. <laughs> These buy my book. Uh, anyway, but uh, here we go. So that's. Oh. Here's my uh, paper cupboard. <laughs> okay, that that's a nice cupboard for paper. <laughs> yeah, it's just a. It's an old. Um, it's an armoire and uh, I just had my father-in-law who's very handy he just um, put in all these shelves for me so love that and let's well here I've got a, another door so I can be outside too and here's my my setup where I do my videos set up my camera here and then you know, facing over here, here's my, my desk. You'll see this in a lot of my videos. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just keep it really simple. I, I should say that, that that's not, not a very large workshop. No, it's just me and my little, I mean. And you have a lot of stuff uh, uh, in, in, in this, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say small place because, for example, Eliana Gomez, uh, she has a much smaller workshop. <laughs> but oh yeah, uh, yeah. But still, it, it looks very functional and a lot of a lot of tools. And I love the red press. Yeah, yeah. When I oh, 
this is I actually think that this uh, job backer if I if I could only have one tool this would be it <laughs> one big tool I mean you'd think it would be the board shear yeah but you can you can cut boards but you can't hold really heavy books up without a job backer <laughs> that's true so that's are there any of them antique? They're yeah, they're all they're all over a hundred years old for sure. Yeah. No, I, I bought I bought all of the the bigger pieces from um, this place in LA that shortly thereafter went out of business. But now I think everybody gets all their tools from um, book binding tools. Brubaker, Paul Brubaker, is that his last name? Anyway, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, just uh, I've been really keeping it simple. I do have a lot of gold finishing tools still, which I kind of wonder what the heck I'm ever going to do with these since I'm not really doing that anymore. Yeah. And like someday I'm going to have to decide I'm really not doing it and sell them. But mm. that, that's and a sad thought. <laughs> it is a sad, well, I mean, believe me, when I first really realized that I couldn't keep doing this, I was I was sad for a long time. Yeah. Just really, yeah. you know, you, you spend 15, 20 years figuring out how to do something really well and then just go, oh, and now not so much. That's that's hard, but you know, I'm ready to make a change. It's all good. Besides, I think that the education thing was kind of I don't know, more important teaching people how to do it? Well, so. it's definitely important. I, I, I'm not sure if, if uh, I would compare what's, what's more important, but uh, education, <laughs> teaching people to, to repair books, it's really important thing. And uh, especially when there are so many uh, people who think that, uh, you know, just using the and or using tape. Yeah, yeah, don't use tape. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we discussed all the things we wanted and uh, thanks a lot for your time and uh, for your answers and uh, you know, for, for the inspiration. Oh, thank you. You're, you're an inspiration. I just love what you're doing. You're really building that iBookbinding site up. I just, I appreciate that it exists. I, I tell people about it all the time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. thank you. Thank you, Paolo, for um, teaching those kids, teaching them how to read. <laughs> it was really nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice yeah. to meet you, too. So I should uh, thank uh, uh, all the community members of iBookbinding, all the supporters of iBookbinding on, on Patreon. And uh, we are sharing our uh, book collection uh, for free this month, uh, at least until September and maybe later, and uh, uh, all the pledges on Patreon are uh, frozen until further notice, so you can still become a, a, our supporter on, on Patreon, but uh, you won't be charged, with exception of the first time, because that's how the system works. Thanks, thanks everybody. If you have any questions uh, uh, to our future guests, uh, uh, you can ask them in the comments below and uh, subscribe and like our videos and go to Sophia's uh, website and uh, Instagram and Facebook accounts and check her courses and uh, buy her book. So, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate this and um, keep keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's right. fun. Yeah, wow. I, I will definitely do. Bye.